Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare to her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deep were broken up and the clouds dropped down the dew. We are going to be, uh, for the next three weeks, going to be doing a little series called Tips for the Journey. And um, it is my hope that we really grab hold of some things here. Um, You know, I, I was teaching in the Quest class, and by the way, if you want to really explore your faith and get some answers about really what, what Christianity is about, what Jesus came to give us, I would really encourage you to come to Quest at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings in the gym. But we were talking this morning, and uh, a lot of times we as Christians or, or, or people outside of Christianity think that, that Christianity is about going to heaven. And how many know that's a pretty good benefit of Christianity. Heaven's good. Uh, the other place, not so much. And, um, you know, that is true, but this is the thing. Christianity, Jesus didn't just simply come to just give you a ticket to heaven. Um, Jesus said something really interesting to the disciples when they were following him. He said that those that have left father and mother and property and houses said they have if you've left those things for my name's sake in this life and in the next you would be giving multiple multiplied brothers and sisters and mothers and properties and houses and what people don't realize is that the kingdom of God, what Jesus came to establish from, from his first preaching all the way through to his ascension, his first message is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His last time talking with the disciples, it says in, in the beginning of the book of Acts that for 40 days he spent with them telling them about the kingdom of God. And so few of us in, in Christianity understand that kingdom, the kingdom of God that we become part of when we become followers of Christ, that God doesn't just simply want us to just do right and all this stuff. That he wants to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. He literally wants heaven on earth. And what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks and tips for the journey is, is about bringing kingdom here. It's about kingdom come. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's a way for us 
to be able to begin to tap into that. And we're going to begin to talk about that today and take some steps forward. Um, the first thing you need to realize in all of this is that, uh, that we are the ones who determine where we go. Um, wherever we are, whatever our life looks like, if we, um, if we are blessed, if we are walking in, in just the blessings of God, if we are walking in brokenness, if we are involved in things that are detrimental to our lives, if, if we're getting straight A's or straight F's, it's because of choices we've made, choices we're making. And sometimes, sometimes that's hard. It's hard to hear. I remember being a teenager, and, and like most, I don't know how it is necessarily around here, but statistics tell us that um, over 50% of the marriages in this country end in divorce. So my parents were a statistic, and I was the product of that statistic. And, and um, you know, moms, moms are loving. They're sweet, most of them anyway. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes they're the tough ones. My wife's, probably if you ask my daughters, my wife's probably the tough one out of the two of us. Um, I'm probably more the... The sensitive, come here, let me give you a hug. And wife's like, bang. And he's like, you better get your rear in that room. And, you know. So sometimes it doesn't all work that way. But my mom, my mom was so sweet. And she was always on our side. You know, I, I could have, you know, done the worst, most terrible thing in the world. In fact, there were times that I, I had done really bad things. And she'd be like, oh, that's not my David's fault. Um, Mrs. Eyre, uh, your son was in a fist fight and beat up the guy and it was, and, uh, it was seen that, that he was, you know, whatever and my, oh, my David wouldn't do that. Um, and there's millions of different examples uh, that I could go through that I will, I will not do for my own protection and, uh, <laughs> but the thing is, my dad, who is a really strong man, and um, he lived out in Connecticut. I lived in Wisconsin. And dad, would, dad was my, my shock into reality. And he would say, hey, you're making decisions that are going to come back and hurt you. You're a really smart kid, David, but you're, you're probably the smartest C student in the country. Because you're not doing any work. And that's going to make... It harder for you in the future. And, and I, as a kid, wanted to always push the blame off on someone else. You know, my dog ate my homework. Didn't matter to have a dog. It's always somebody else's fault. And that, that, we think that that, now I want you to hear me on this. We think that when we push the blame off, that it protects us. We think that if I, can, if I can dissuade you from thinking it's my fault, that it'll protect me. We've always wanted to blame. Honey, this started in the garden. Adam, you know, just gets done sewing his fig leaves together. And God comes looking for him. says, Adam, where are you? And he goes, I'm in the trees. Well, why are you in the trees? Well, because I'm naked. Well, who told you you were naked? And he said, hey, did you eat of that fruit? That I told you not to eat. He, what, is God, what, is, what does Adam say? 
It was that woman that you gave me. So he does two things. He says, first of all, God, it's your fault because you made her. And then it's her fault because she convinced me to eat it. And blame is, 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 is as deep in our DNA as sin. And the problem with that is that if we continue as Christians, as people, and I want to say this, you can be in this room and not be a believer and this message will still help you. Okay? Because God's principles are true. Regardless of whether or not you believe in the source of them. That's the beauty of truth. Truth is just truth. But when we go through life blaming and pushing off and it's not my fault, then we end up saying this one thing. We can't change where we are. And the problem with that is that then you have taken all power out of your own hands to make the future that God really has for you. See, it's only after we grab hold and understand that we are where we are as a product of the way we think that has made us produce the decisions that we've made, until we grab hold of that, then we can't make different decisions based on better information and change how we think. Is that making sense? The key with all of these things is that we need to understand that we own the responsibility. If you make $100,000 a year or if you make $20,000 a year, it is the product of the decisions you've made. And maybe you couldn't afford to go to college, but maybe then you become an entrepreneur. And maybe you couldn't become an entrepreneur, but maybe then you go and you become, you know, a diesel mechanic. And maybe, you know, there's just different things that we can choose to take us into different avenues. It all does come down to us. Even when it looks like we are the victim of circumstances, largely. Some of our lives have been touched by, by decisions made by others. Maybe, maybe your wife or your husband made decisions that have have alienated you and, and your marriage isn't good or maybe your marriage has been dissolved. What's crazy is that even in those things, we chose that woman or we chose that man. See, really, it does come down to our own decisions. But the beauty is this. If you can grab hold of that, if you can today say, hey, I own my decisions, then tomorrow you can make different ones. And that is powerful. Because if I've made decisions that have led me to a place that I don't want to go, well then I can make different decisions that lead me to a place that I do want to go. And if we will put this in God's hand, he will lead us. Our lives, hear this, our lives are the product of our decisions. Our decisions are the product of our thoughts. And our thoughts are the products of what we believe. So what do you want to change in your life? What is it that you are standing in right now that God wants to take you somewhere else in? Where has God got blessing for you that maybe you haven't tapped yet? The key is to really begin to unpack that question and then to recognize that God wants to do different things. 
in your life. And sometimes we look at that. I don't know about you. Okay, so I don't know about you, about where you are, but I do know that for me, at 33 years old, I was, a, I was a preacher. I was an assistant pastor in Columbus, Ohio, and I had gone to college for three years and um, had gotten good grades and stuff, but I got injured. You guys know the story about how I got saved, and I got injured in my back, and that caused me to not go back to school for a long time because I couldn't really walk very well, and, and then I got called into the ministry, and I started going into ministry, and, and God was doing stuff there, and at 33, God says, go finish your degree. Now, I've got a wife and two kids. I'm full-time ministry, which generally means, if you don't know what full-time ministry means, it means 50 to 60 hours a week, one day off. Uh, that's, what, that's what full-time ministry looks like. For all of you who think this is the easy life, it's not. And then God says, go get your degree. Now, I could have wilded this away. I could have decided that it was too hard at that time. But... Because I made decisions to put myself in position to do what God said, today I've got two master's degrees. Um, I graduated, obviously, with my bachelor's. I'm not saying all that to say anything about me as much as to say this. If you realize that you have the power of choice, you can make new choices. And you can go places that maybe you couldn't have gone otherwise. God wants to open up doors for you, but like a friend of mine once said, he said this, he said, God wants to bless the people of God, but too many of us don't want to do the heavy lifting. Too many of us don't want to do the heavy lifting because it's hard work sometimes to get to where God wants you to be. I have two young men that I am in relationship with. Their father is one of my pastors. They both, these two young men, grew up, they're African-American young men. They grew up in a place that, that it's, it's New Haven, Connecticut, which is not a nice town. They, though, in that, chose to work hard. And both of them have gone to the military academy at West Point. One of them feels, hear this, one of them... This African-American young man feels literally that it is his calling to, if not be president of the United States, to be a very high-ranking official in the government. But in order to get to where God was calling him, he had to work really hard. He had to go to the right schools. He had to make the right connections. And today, he is one of the people that literally is part of a think tank at the White House. God is greasing the tracks for him, but he had to work hard to get there. Are you following me? God wants to take us places, but we have got to determine that we are going to follow. Now, now for those of us who um, are hearing this, this may be somewhat concerning. Because <laughs> you're going, how? How do we do this? What I want you to understand is this. God has given us a vehicle through which we can follow him and find the path that he's really called us to. And it is simply this. He calls us to pursue wisdom. Romans 12, 2 says this. 
Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. God has created a way for us to be able to change how we think. Because again, you got to realize that your life is the product of your decisions. And your decisions is the product of your thoughts. And your thoughts are the product of what you really believe. And so as a Christian, God comes in and he can change your belief system. All of a sudden, God becomes real. I had a, a brother, a friend of mine, who's a brother in Christ, come over to my house just recently. God had been working on me. He, wanted, he decided he wanted the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so he shows up at my house, and then we, we go into the living room, and we start to pray, and God shows up, and he starts speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave him utterance. In my living room, you don't have to go to church for this to happen to you, just so you know. It can happen to you in your car, in your living room, or, or your pastor's living room, for that matter. Um, but he said this amazing thing about that experience. He said, it became real. All the things that, that may have been there. He was a Christian before. He had he loved God before he received the baptism of the Spirit. He had he'd been baptized before he received the baptism of the Spirit. But, but when the Holy Ghost came on him, and he received the Spirit of God and spoke in tongues in the baptism of the Spirit's language, it went from being something that was something he knew about to something that happened to him. You follow me? There's a difference between reading about historical events and being part of it. And, and what God invites you to is that he's not a God of theory. He's not a God who's just simply uh, a story that we tell. He's a God that you can experience. He's a God who wants to come and walk into your living room of your life and, and sit down with you and have you experience what the Bible talks about. What is so fun about being a Christian and being a full gospel Christian is that the stuff that's in the book you see happen. And so God, in doing that, can change what you believe at a very basic level. And then because of it changing what you believe, it can start to change your thoughts. And God says this incredible thing in that Romans 2 verse. He said that, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, some of us here, even some of us who've been Christians for a while, we are walking in this life, and maybe there's things on you that are hanging on from the past. Anyone ever been there other than me? All right, I got at least three hands. <laughs> See, what happens is we get saved, we get right with God, God starts changing stuff, but sometimes our thought patterns are the same as they always were. God needs to begin to create in you a new mind. You need a renewed mind because that is where, hear me, hear me on this. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you ready for this? If you are not transformed, or if there are areas of your life that are not transformed, then that means that your mind has not been renewed in regard to that. Are you following me? 
It's a little deep, I know. But see, God wants to give you new thoughts. God wants to give you new thoughts so that then you can, thinking at a new level, be transformed into the person that God created you to be. And that's the beauty, folks, of this book. God gives us his word as a vehicle for that. And God gives us also people. What is amazing, scriptures, or excuse me, not scripture, <laughs> John Maxwell, who some people think is close to scripture, um, John Maxwell said this. He said, you will be the same person in five years as you are today, except for the people you meet and the books you read. So the first thing I want you to realize is that we need, each of us needs, each of us needs people in our lives who will speak into our lives. Each of us needs a mentor. Did you know, okay, everybody hear me now on this one too. Everybody needs a pastor. Um, I, I am so bad I have three. <laughs> I have three pastors. One of them is in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. One of them is in Lewisburg. And one of them is in Granby, Connecticut. I have three pastors. Why? Because they each fulfill different roles in my life. Each of them speaks in different areas of my life. We need people in our lives who can speak life to us. So many times we live in places that I wonder how good they really are. We have people in our lives, and I'm, I'm no different than you. I have, I have friends that, that aren't Christians. I have lots of friends that aren't Christians. In fact, if you don't have any friends that are not Christians, go get some. Okay? We are not isolationists. We don't need to live behind some ivory tower of holiness. We are the light of the world. Go shine. So go find yourself some good old sinner folk friends and just love them. Be their friend. And when they invite you over to barbecue, go barbecue with them. You don't have to drink the beer and you don't have to do anything else, but love them. But the thing is this. Who you surround yourself with continuously, you need to be careful of where that looks, what that looks like. Who are your constant influences? Is it good for you? Hey, adults, here's a question. It's good that you're sitting down. If your kids were hanging out with your friends, would you let them? If your kids were hanging with your friends, would you let them? The reality is you've got to look at who's around you. Are they encouraging you? Are they encouraging your faith in God? Are they encouraging, hear this, are they encouraging belief in yourself? Are they encouraging you to dream of a future that God has for you? Do they want the best for you? Or are they trying to bring you down? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. We have a choice in who influences us. It doesn't mean we cut them off. I just told you go get those friends. <laughs> we don't cut anyone off. 
I have, some of my best, dearest friends have been atheists. And, and I just keep loving them. And I don't preach at them very often. I just, I just love them. They know where I stand. They know what I believe. If they have questions, we talk. But I'm just loving them. We don't cut people off. But we do determine. Hear me now. This is important. Are you ready? We do determine the amount of influence we allow in, their, in our lives from them. Are those people adding to you and your walk with God? Or are they trying to take you away from God? You've got to measure those things out and say, I have got to surround myself with people. The people who influence me most have got to be those that have a vision for my future with Jesus. Those that have a vision for what God has really called me to. Those that have a vision to encourage me to be great for God and not to be less than what I'm called to be. That is who we reserve the most powerful places of influence in our lives. Those are the people that we make our mentors. And everybody needs a mentor. I don't care how old you are. Where do you find one? Well, you find them all over, but they reflect a value that you desire in your life. And, and, and it can be people, hear me, it can be people who just, you just look to, and they don't have to know that, that, you're, that you're their mentee. You don't, they don't have to know that you're looking to them as mentors. You don't, you know, because that, that, that kind of gets uncomfortable sometimes, that, that awkward moment when you go, will you mentor me? <laughs> and you feel, like a, you feel that weird. <laughs> as weird as I said that, you feel weirder. And, and you can just look to them. That can come from the community. People just in the community who you respect or have done something that you would like to do can come from your family. One of the strongest mentors in my life when I was a young man was my Uncle Paul. He was my hero. And he is the reason why I didn't cuss. And he is the reason why I didn't drink much. And he's the reason I, I did a lot of things right. Because he was my hero and he didn't do those things. It could also be the church. In this room right now are great men and great women. People who've lived their lives for God. People who've, who've literally gone through just hell and high water and have made it through the other side with lives that, that we want to emulate and, and we want to be like. Some of the people in this room are my heroes. And we need to understand that, that our mentors can come right out of all these different areas. But the church is a unique place. And it's unique because not only can we find mentors here, but we also have God and his word. Because he's the ultimate mentor. Proverbs 1, 1 through 6 says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive instruction in wise dealing. In righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and understand in learning. And let the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand the proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and the riddles. See, what's awesome, folks, is that the Bible itself is 
wisdom. There's a whole genre, a whole category of, of literature in the Bible called wisdom literature. It starts with Psalms, goes through Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. It is about imparting wisdom. The concept scripturally, I want you to hear me on this. This is very important, Americans. <laughs> the concept we just read, Proverbs 1, indicates that that wisdom can be passed on from generation to generation to generation. Now that is is a massive change of thought for Americans because we tend to be people who are like, well, he's got to make his own decisions. He's got to make his own mistakes and learn from them. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. My kids never played in the, in the street. You want to know why? Because they didn't want to get run over. And as their dad, I made sure that they understood, you play in the middle of the street, you get run over. Wisdom, honey, was passed down. And it worked. Neither one of them has got any tire tracks on them anywhere. They're still the same kind of shape that they're supposed to be. See, wisdom can be passed down and, and scripture, God gives us scripture that we might begin to understand the way God thinks. It's not enough, hear me, it's not enough to just simply read that book on Sundays and get a nice little nugget that we can take home and chew on for a little while. God wants to bring you wisdom. He wants to take you so that you can understand. Listen to what what the scripture said there. Give prudence. In other words, good judgment to the simple. That means, honey, you don't have to be that smart. You got a pulse. Your brain can tell you enough to breathe your next breath. Well, then you're a candidate for wisdom. Because it gives prudence to the simple. God wants to give you wisdom. He wants to not just have you make heaven your home. He wants you to make this life a place where kingdom shows up, where God looks at you and goes, I know where he came from. I know what her past is. I know what their family history is. How did they get there? And all you'll be able to do is go, because I found the one who died for me. And he came into my life, and I allowed him. I allowed him. To take me and change me and take me to places I could never go. You see, what's amazing, what's amazing is that God gives us the opportunity to find out how he thinks. Some people approach this book as an answer book. And in here are scientific facts. Things like the book of Isaiah saying that that God sits upon the circle of the earth about, let's see, 2,200 years before we actually found out that the earth was round. Cool stuff like that. Talks about the springs of the deep. When we just thought that there were oceans that just came out of nowhere, we found out about 50 years ago that there are springs at the depths of the ocean that feed the ocean's currents with water. 
Scripture talked about that in Psalms, roughly about, oh, 3,000 years before we found out that it was true. Are there scientific facts in here? Yes. But it is not an answer book. It's a book to show you how to have a relationship with God. And it's a book that shows you how to bring the kingdom of God to this world. And God wants to give you the keys. If I could invite somebody here who is a proven multimillionaire, and he could guarantee to you that you'd become a multimillionaire following his program, I guarantee this. This place would be packed out next Sunday. And you'd be waiting there with your notes and your computers and your iPads and your voice recorders trying to get the code for success. When the God of heaven gave you his thoughts, his mind, and put it in a leather-bound book so that you could grow and become the man or woman that God created you to be. See, but it takes a decision. Ecclesiastes 1.13 says this, I set my heart to seek and search out wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. You see, it's a, it's a decision. This is the thing I want you to get today. I want you to understand that you have a choice to pursue wisdom. You have a choice to pursue God's wisdom for your life. And if you do, then God can bring you to the place that you are transformed. And not just healing coming to your life and blessing coming to your life, but all of a sudden it affects things generationally. God wants to bring you there. Blessed is the one, Proverbs 3 and 13. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Anyone want to be blessed in here? And the one who gets understanding. For her gain is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare to her. Long life, hear this now. If you get wisdom, if you get wisdom, this is what comes to you. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. God wants to lead you into wisdom. He doesn't just want to bring you success. He wants to lead you into wholeness and peace. God's inviting you to find out what he has for you. And that makes, that takes you just the decision to follow. Because what's really cool, and I want you to hear me real clear on this. We can bring in all kinds of people in our lives. People who've been successful and people who've mentored us. But the God of heaven wants to come in and mentor you. When I buy a book, and I've got a lot, you could ask my wife. I buy a book specifically because I want that author to speak to me about that area of life. Literally, though I never, I've only met, of all the books I've got, I know about 10% of the authors. I do. But I only know 10%. And even the 10% I've known, I don't usually ask them, will you, will you mentor me? <laughs> I don't. That would be weird. But when I buy their book, I'm asking them to speak into my life in that area. And I ask them to mentor me. 
What you have in the word of God is an opportunity for God to mentor you. An opportunity for God to take his thoughts and reveal them to you. To show you that that where you are in this life is not where you're going to be. And to show you how to get past the obstacles that are around you right now. To step into the future that he really has for you. He, in a very real way, when you become a Christian and you become part of a good gospel preaching church, a truth preaching church, is you come in and you get his thoughts. And you have the opportunity to get the other things too. David Giles, the man who recited this morning, did you all enjoy that? I want to say this to you. David Giles considers me one of his pastors. He's a dear friend of mine. But I want you to know this, and I declare this to you in front of you, everybody. I want you to hear this. He is one of my mentors. He has taught me more about being a a godly man and husband than any one person I've ever known. And I found him in church. I wasn't looking for a mentor, but I saw in his life something that I wanted to emulate. And I got close to him. And I just let him just speak to me. And after a couple years, I did tell him he's one of my mentors. See, when you become part of a church, God allows you to not just hear his word, but to get in contact with people who will mentor you in your life to bring you to be the man or the woman that God created you to be. If this is your first time here, or if maybe last week was your first time here, or maybe you, uh, you're just looking around, I challenge you to come to church here at New Life for six weeks. Come for six weeks and, and just see if you stick. See if what is happening here is is growing you. Because God is here. And and every service is different. Sometimes we're wild and crazy. Sometimes we're really mellow, kind of like today. Every service is a little different. So you got to give it some time to kind of feel out if this is really the place for you or not. And if you don't want to come here, that's cool. Let me know and I'll find you a place to go. Because I want you to go somewhere where you can be fed. But this is the thing, and I want you to hear me real clear right now. It is important to go to a truth-preaching church. And this is why. We talked about that you'll be the same person you are today in five years, except for the books you read and the people you meet. We talked about mentors. What's amazing about the church is God created a family where his word and wisdom is given. And people who've been transformed by him are. And you can find both of the things that will change your life. Outside, that's even outside of his spirit. Outside of experiencing him in a church that preaches truth. If you don't want to come here, cool. For real. I won't cry in front of you. 
It'll all be good. We'll be friends afterward. Let me send you to another church that preaches truth. Because this is the kind of place that God can change your life and make your life the life you want to live. Let me pray for you.